Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Man. Shit is crazy, y'all. What am I gonna do? I think I'll find a new job. Welcome to the Modern Waiter Podcast where we help restaurant patrons enjoy their experience by giving them a look behind the industry curtain. I'm tired of working dead beat jobs for lame pay. I'm tired of getting fired and hired the same day. If you know the rules of the game, then you'll stay. I'm Marlon Joseph, and on today's podcast, we talk to Robert Muscatello from Southern Tier Distilling Company. And as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Danny Davila. How's everybody out there doing today? Doing well, thank you. Thank you, Robert, for taking the time to speak to us today. I know you're at work, and uh, won't take up too much of your time. And you, and work- no worries, thank you. <laughs> and you work for Southern Tier, and you're in the distiller distilling uh, division. That's correct. Yep. Awesome. And we we actually we met maybe I don't know. 14, 13, 14 years ago, maybe even 15? Yeah, I believe it was uh, 2005, 2006. Okay, that sounds about right. And we yeah. worked in the restaurant together. You were a manager. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk to you more so about what you're doing today, but just kind of take us through your your experience, uh, whether it's in the restaurant industry or the alcohol distilling or or and you also worked for the division the beer division as well yeah that's correct yeah that's what i've I've been with southern tier uh just past my four-year mark with them at the beginning of april Mm -hmm. um which has been a kind of you know a wild ride being on this side of things on the supplier side as opposed to you know what, what we used to do um but i did have you know an extensive background in in um the restaurant industry um since 2000 Oh, since 1997 is when I first started in a restaurant. It was a, in like a sports bar at the at the mall in New Jersey, and um, <clears throat> you know, running running and bussing tables, you know, kind of doing that whole thing, and then eventually just became a waiter. You know, um, worked my way through college, you, you know, uh, doing the restaurant thing, um, and just kept doing it. You, you know, you know how it is. Just kind of sucks you in, and um, helped my parents open a restaurant uh, when I moved down to Florida um, before I met you in 2004. Uh, working in restaurants down there, fell in with management. Um, actually, I was a bartender in Manhattan, a club for a long time. Uh, okay. Living in, doing that high end, running around. That's a lifestyle. You got to really watch yourself. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're going into work at nine in the mo- nine at night, getting out at five, six in the morning, and then you know, then hitting the bars. Um, <laughs> that was that was a, definitely a learning experience. But um, 
yeah, just uh, then I met, you know, I, I met you, was managing those two restaurants, you know, it was Aruba and uh, Casablanca down there, uh, which was kind of, kind of fun. Definitely learned a lot doing that. But um, my heart was definitely in bartending. Um, in 2008, I started working at a British style um, franchise. Well, it was kind of a concept that they had multiple ones. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I really kind of got the education on the background of everything. And, um, you know, with spirits, um, bourbons, scotches, beer, kind of really getting into it. Um, you know, more specifically, I became a corporate trainer for them. I was called the uh, Tavern Restaurant Group, started opening restaurants and training bartenders, you know, just on technique and, you know, on history and academics of the whole thing. And I really loved doing that. Um, and I kind of never really fell out of the whole educational side of things. Um, so I did pretty much everything as far as dive bars, the worst dive bars into like the real high end um, wine spectator award winning craft cocktail bars, um, mustache vest, you know, all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, but I really, yeah, I really wanted to get in on the, um, on the supplier side, you know, uh, after dealing with them, uh, suppliers and distributors and get into the sales side of things, uh, rather than kind of running around behind a bar and, um, which I still, you know, I still like, and I don't know if I miss it, but, um, but being on this side of things, you know, as we have the three tier system, the supplier goes to the distributor, distributor goes to the retailer, the bars and whatnot. So the only thing that was really holding me back was um, outside sales experience. So I tried and failed a lot of times in 2014 with a number of breweries and distributors and whatnot. And then Southern Tier gave me a shot in early 2015. And um, it's been a crazy ride since, you know, uh, I love the freedom of it. I run New Jersey uh, for Southern Tier Distilling Company and Delaware. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I manage seven wholesalers. And, um, you know, we make everything from traditional straight bourbons, rice, double oak age whiskeys, vodkas, gins. And then we do some really specialty things like uh, single malt whiskeys, um, smoked bourbons. We do a a hopped whiskey, which is distilled from one of our double IPAs on the brewing side. Um, So it's just it's never the same thing, you know, um, every day. I kind of make my own schedule and just uh, the numbers are what matter. You know, a lot of driving, a lot of driving. I can imagine. You know, I I remember you. Go ahead. Uh, it's kind of, kind of a nutshell that kind of sums sums up the the last eighteen nineteen years. Yeah, that's a lot of uh, experience, and you know, I I remember you telling me about your your parents' restaurant, and that's invaluable for your experience to see that side of it. And now you pivoted to the supplier side as far as um the distilling company. And I remember you as a whiskey and bourbon lover. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yep. Yep. For me, I, I I really don't have a I didn't at that that time have a lot of experiences. I think for me it was mostly vodka and rum, and there's especially vodka. There's really nothing to it, you know. Right. So I mean, restaurants and and food and 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 liquor are are really really closely related. I mean, they're the reasons why restaurants open their doors, and if not done well, they're the reasons why their doors close. Mm-hmm. So I'm very interested to know what I've seen an explosion in in, this, in a lot of spirit categories. You know, back in the day, it used to be just vodka and flavored vodkas. People would do, you know, cosmopolitans yeah. and sour apples and stuff like that. How what do you attribute that explosion in the different categories to? Well, there's always, I mean, I've noticed there's a lot of peaks and valleys with what's popular, Okay. Um, you know, what people, um, you know, are loyal to as far as the spirits that they have. Um, well, as you know, back in the day, you know, bourbon was, you know, America's drink, you know, that's what came up out of the ground and that's what we used to make. Um, 
up until World War II, when the GIs started coming back, um, they were exposed to vodka, you know, out in Europe and Eastern Europe and everywhere. Um, wasn't a really big thing here until, you know, they came back and people saw the value in vodka, just being able to, you know, a grain neutral spirit that you're able to just manipulate and make taste like anything or nothing at all. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just really easy to drink. And, you know, things started taking like a downturn as far as the whiskeys go. Scotch became, you know, your grandfather's drink, you know, this and that. Um, but then I noticed, you know, um, and a lot of people noticed that the, you know, the craft cocktail explosion, you know, in America and, um, you know, especially in the more metropolitan areas um, really came to prominence, you know, probably what, 80s, 90s, um, really started fluctuating and people experimenting with different spirits. Um, whiskey made a big comeback um, and especially bourbon. I mean, bourbon's very easy to work with as far as manipulating rye as well and making cocktails and whatnot. So people really started getting interested in that whole thing. In America, yeah, we have a huge craft cocktail culture. Um, and it's definitely something that, um, you know, I was very interested in, you know, early on, as early as on as I could be, but yeah, I mean, and, but, you know, as far as loyalty goes, people, I mean, vodka is a big thing, you know, people, that's what people, that's people most loyal to when they walk into a a liquor store, they know what vodka they're going to get. If they're vodka drinkers, they're going straight for it. They're not looking at anything else and they're grabbing it and going everything else, you know, people are experimenting with and trying different things as far as scotches and bourbons, um, rums gins gins are huge pop popular now in the craft culture mm-hmm. as well so yeah yeah it's, it's, a, it's a cool it's a really cool time it fluctuates as far as what popularity you know you know as far as the craft culture goes with uh, making cocktails and stuff but um yeah it's it's super exciting industry to be in you know and be part of and supply supply people for and let them use your product and you know see where they can go with it yeah, yeah. so what are you guys known for like what? Like like what's like a brand or something like that that you guys are known for that I would that we might know of down here. Yeah, a quick a, uh, yeah, a quick little background on Southern Tier. So Southern Tier Brewing Company opened up in 2002 in a little town it called Lakewood, New York, out in far western New York, out near about an hour and a half southwest of Buffalo, um, middle of nowhere, New York, where, where the water's good in New York. Um, nice. So <laughs> Buffalo does have really good water. I know that. Yeah. So the brewery's fantastic. Um, it's been around for a long time. Um, the facility itself, uh, we bottle cap and label about 10,000 bottles an hour on our bottling line, um, 250 cans a minute. Um, so it's a well-oiled machine. We're partners with Victory Brewing Company out of Pennsylvania, and we just recently acquired Six Point Brewing out of um, Brooklyn. So it's a big, it's a big thing, um, and the brewery's fantastic. And we're known for, you know, we make traditional styles of beer, um, you know, pilsners, porters, pale ales, IPAs, things like that. Um, and then we do some really crafty things. Like we're very known for our, our, our pumpkin ale, our imperial pumpkin ale called the Pump King, um, which has been around for going on 12 years now, I think. Uh, I think this will be the 15th year. I'm not too sure. But um, we're known for that. We're known for our our, our, our imperial stouts uh, called the Blackwater Series, which are imperial dessert beers. Um, all 10% people know them. We have one called Creme Brulee. Um, we just started nitroing them. We have a s'mores stout, um, a couple of different ones. So we do some really crafty things, sour ales. Um, just all kinds of things. And then we do your traditionals as well. We kind of brought the same mindset over to the distillery as well. And right. what's your favorite uh, Southern Tier beer? Oh, favorite beer? The one. Um, yeah. Well, I'm getting older, as you know. And um, you <laughs> I know, don't know I'm what you're talking of... about. <laughs> <laughs> as, as it goes, as it goes. And then, uh, so I've kind of, I've kind of veered off of some like the big craft beers, like the big you know, double IPAs and like some of the, you know, the more malty and kind of just heavier beers. I mean, give me a nice like lager or Pilsner any day of the week. 
and I'm really, you know, I'm pretty happy with it as far as beer goes. Um, we have a beer called Eight Days a Week, um, which is a uh, blonde ale, um, low alcohol, you know, like a session blonde ale, one best ale at AC Beer Fest um, in 2018. Um, and it's just very easy to drink, very palatable, um, crushable, as as the kids say. <laughs> no kids uh, yeah. say that <laughs> comes in an eight pack at a six pack price. So, uh, you know, that's always a nice little value. So I just give me a couple of those and I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy. I, I don't really, I, I veer away from beer altogether, um, you know, over the last year, but, um, cause you know, liquor's quicker than Marlon. So <laughs> <laughs> I usually stick to my spirits. I'm definitely interested in some learning points, especially with, uh, the IPAs, you know? So when I'm at the yeah. restaurant, I feel like, you know, People only know IPA as a different um, category of uh, of be of different style of beer, I should say. But right. give us some learning points about um, IPA. I, I find it to be very special, but it's also mysterious. You know the different styles of IPAs. You mentioned a oh, double I, IPA. Yeah. Uh, tell us yeah. a little bit about that. Um, well, yeah, IPAs are still the top selling style of beer in the country. Um, I'm not, people are not sure why it's such a big thing in America. You know, our, our IPAs, um, you know, that bitter note, maybe it's our love of coffee. I don't know. Maybe that's kind of transcended into the public psyche. Mm -hmm. um, but IPAs, you know, are usually, um, you know, more hop forward, as people know. So you're going to get more of an effervescence of, of, of uh, hoppiness. But as far as like the subcategories of IPAs, you have your East Coast IPAs. You have your West Coast, which tend to be a little more fruity and effervescent. Um really nice um then there's the, the this the new craze of the new england ipa um which they're low ibus which are you know their measurement of bitterness um but like kind of very hazy um little a little heavy for me honestly um hazy unfiltered um huge craft craze for for new england ipas that come in those 16 ounce cans and people wait in lines at the breweries to try to you know get the newest one that came out so there's a cool culture there um as far as that goes uh, East Coast IPAs tend to be a little more um, malt balanced um, to the to the uh, to the uh, hop side of things. So, okay. um, but yeah, IPAs are, and then you get into your double IPAs, your triple IPAs, you know, whatever that means. Um, it's all about your alcohol levels and you know your ABV levels and your and your bitterness um, as far as that goes. Some some regular pale ales can have a big hop note that tastes almost like an IPA. Okay. Um, yeah, but India pale ales. Um, yeah, they're they're yeah, like I said, the top selling style in the country. People are still going crazy over them, and every brewery has their IPA. Pretty much, it's always part of their core their core portfolio is to have their single IPA or their double IPA, um, and then variants of it. The IPAs with you know that are fruit forward or you know have some orange zest or lemons or whatever it is. So, what exactly is a double IPA? That's like like at the root of my question. I... Oh, um, so a double IPA. So you'd really, like single IPAs would be somewhere between you know the five and seven percent range as far as your abv goes um you could call it whatever you want so if you if you wanted something 7.5 between 7.5 and nine percent okay that would be i guess a double ipa okay understood and then what what about the minutes sometimes i mean back in i don't know if they still do it they used to talk about like a 60 minute ipa 90 minute ipa what is that? Yeah, that's a, that's a that's a that's a Dogfish brand actually, Dogfish Brewing Company. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that's their brand, and I believe it's um how how long the the hops uh, are dry hop. So after the beer is pretty much made, like basically, um, they dry hop for a certain amount of time, and then um, you're going to get a lot more effervescence on on the on your nose and, and your palate as far depending on how long 
you know, they actually leave the leave it in the hops 60 minutes, 90 minutes. Gotcha. But it also is congruent with, I remember correctly, it's also congruent with the ABV level. So they're 60 minutes to 6%, they're 90 minutes, 9%, and so on. Okay, interesting. But that's specific okay. to dogfish. Okay, I, I, I had no idea. Yeah. And, if um... I'm correct. <laughs> you learn something every day. Yeah, that's why we're here. I remember, yeah. And then to the uninitiated, um, I'm, like I said, getting into bourbons, getting into rise and things like that. When would I... Where you been? Where you been? I, pff, I've been on the vodka and the gin, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to keep it toned. I know, I know. <laughs> when would I guide my guests to a rye versus a bourbon? Okay, so yeah, um, yeah, rye and bourbons um, are kind of built almost the same way. Um, they each have their rules to be considered what they are, right? Okay. So bourbon has to be at least 51% corn to be considered bourbon. So that's one of the criteria. Um, and rye would be, but you can also have rye in bourbon. So you can have like, you know, um, you can have like a 62% corn, um, 30% rye, and then like 8% barley malts or something in your builds and make a bourbon. Rye is going to impart spiciness to your to your build. When okay. it's just a rye, um, when it's just a rye, it's either I think I believe it's fifty one percent or more with the grain of rye to be considered a rye. Um, so yeah, it's, it just has to do with your build, you know. Okay. Yeah, and... the rye is going to be spicier than bourbon's. Bourbon's going to have a little more of a sweet sweet note because of the corn majority corn being in the build. Mm, okay, interesting. And as you as you describe things, you have very good descriptive words for you know. Um, for the different characteristics. So mm. I know that it's, you know, before noon, I can't really, you know, I'm not going to start trying some things, but take us through a tasting, you know, you, 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 you're, I assume that, I, I don't know, you get to drink at work maybe. <laughs> yeah, you but, wouldn't believe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with, with great power comes great responsibility. Mark. There you so, go. Uh, so take us through like to uninitiated for to a bourbon, your straight whiskey, your bourbon whiskey. What am I okay. looking for? I have it in front of me. What color characteristics? What notes am I getting? You know, take us through a yeah. tasting. So it all depends, you know. So, um, you know, when I've done a whiskey 101 class, usually we'll go into, you know, the the history, you know, the history of bourbon, the the, the characteristics of um you know, the build of bourbon, what has to be the criteria that it has to be considered to be considered bourbon or just a, a whiskey or a scotch or an Irish whiskey. Um, so that's pretty much what it is. I'm, I'm basically, I would tell people that um, I was mostly referring know, to your straight bourbon yeah. whiskey. What? Yeah, OK. What is that like? OK, so, yeah, so our straight bourbon is um, it's a relatively well, the, the, the distillery started up in 2015. So our straight bourbon um, is two bills of bourbon blended into one. Um, so when I'll tell people when I'm doing a sampling um, that the first build is 80% corn, 15% wheat, and 5% barley malt. And then the second build is the same grains at 62, 30, and then eight. We take those two bourbons and then we blend them together. We age them um, in our charred American white oak barrels, uh, which our rule is no less than two years to be considered bourbon. Ours is about a three year right now, but we do have other ones aging. It just takes time for that magic to happen in the barrels. Um, I would tell people, you know, we I'd line them up. We'd do our straight bourbon, our straight rye, our smoked bourbon, and maybe our double oak aged whiskey, just so they can get reference points on the different flavor profiles of each one. So our bourbon doesn't have any rye in it, so it's not going to have those spicy notes. Okay. Um, but you would get 
you get a lot of it's it's a very smooth bourbon, very easy drinking, got a little sweet note forward, but you get all the characteristics of what you want in a bourbon. You want those vanilla notes, you want that caramel, maybe even like a little little hint of fruit, dried fruit, and maybe on some bourbons you get that little butterscotch note. It all depends. Um, ours is very subtle, very easy to work with as far as making Manhattans and cocktails and whatnot. Um, but you know, we know we knows it. You know, we, we, you want to, a lot can be told with your olfactory perceptors, you know, and you really want to get those vanilla notes and maybe add a little bit of cool water to it to open it up and oxygenate it. Um, it's important to breathe while you're sampling it as well, because you want to bring that oxygen in, close your mouth, close your mouth after you swallow, blow out through your nose. So you get that full flavor and whatnot. And then most of the time, you know, everybody's palate's different. So I'll go around and I'll ask people, I'm like, well, what do you taste? What's your reference here? Mm -hmm. You know, what? What are you getting? So I want to hear from different people what they're getting, because then I use that when I'm doing samplings and whatnot, you know, and, you know, let people know what I've heard from other people, maybe if they're novice or if they really know what they're doing, um, which we've been in a number of competitions, um, won a number of awards with our with our bourbon. So those real professionals uh, know what they're talking about. And we respect their opinion, especially when we get gold medals and silver medals and whatnot. So gotcha. Yeah. Man, that's I'm ready to drink, man. <laughs> Appetizing, right? Yeah, I mean, maybe not drink, but taste. How about that? Well, I've done them. Yeah, I've done samplings at eight in the morning, man, for my wholesalers before. So you know, <laughs> no time is the wrong time. You know what I'm saying? There you go. And before I let so you what, go, go ahead. What area of the market is like your bread and butter? Is it like restaurants? Is it supermarkets? Or like a little mom and pop spot? Where are you guys? Um, like, you know what? What do you focus on or, or what is the focus for the company like when you're trying to branch out and just and stuff like that? Well, we like to, you know, on the brewing side, we, we I mean, well, on the distilling side, we like to have a mix. Um, so I focus a lot on off premise, which would be your, your liquor stores um, is considered off premise. Those big mm -hmm. box stores like your Wegmans and your Joe Canals and some of those, excuse me, those bigger ones. I really like to get in there. That's where your volume's at. You know, you really want to get some turnover. So we do two separate parts of our portfolio. We do high proof, which is our you know, our bourbons and our rise and some of our specialty high proof spirits. But then we have a category of the company called RTDs, which are ready to drink cocktail cans. So these okay. are these are pre-mixed spirit based cocktails, which we have a number of them. We have a, a gin and tonic with elderflower and cucumber, a vodka madras, vodka cranberry, orange and lime. Hey, and no, we have a bourbon. you're talking my yeah, language. That's, that's good stuff. It's coming to Florida. It's coming to Florida. So don't worry. And we have a bourbon smash, which is bourbon, ginger, mint and lemon, all canned perfectly balanced really nice these do great off premise but we also focus on premise as well because as you guys know when you try something at a bar or a restaurant you're looking for it and you really like it you're looking for it off premise so you can have it at home so yeah. we do we do try to have a nice little mix but we're focusing mostly off premise at the moment um but one begets the other so we do try to balance our focus nice okay yeah. and before i let you go can i tell everybody you're a crazy person because I saw you on on Instagram with uh -oh. the uh, with the scorpion. What, what what's the deal? <laughs> oh no! Yeah, I should have I should have done that yesterday. But I mean, I should have done that tomorrow, so you didn't see it. But it's single de Mayo yesterday. <laughs> um, so uh, you know, I was feeling feeling all right, and um, you know, I I have, I have a uh, one of my favorite tequilas is called Scorpion, and it's absolutely phenomenal. And um, it's barrel aged. You know, it's a resposado. So it's a little darker. It's a spicy. It's a mezcal, technically. Uh, okay. And when you get to the bottom, instead of the worm, when you get to the bottom of this bottle, it's actually a scorpion, a real scorpion. Yeah, and this um, brother ate the doggone scorpion at the end of this ate thing. Ate the scorpion, man. Yeah, I've gotten pretty good at it. I've beaten a couple in my day. Um, you get the thousand. <laughs> 
know, it's very spiritual, Marlon. I, I suggest you try it. It's very spiritual. You get that that stare. You know, you start seeing in other dimensions and whatnot in HD. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, you tell me, yeah, I'm not a little crazy. You, 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 you know, throw the challenge in front of me. I'll try it out. You know, we'll see what happens. Well, okay. Um, <laughs> I'll I'll look for that bottle of mezcal. <laughs> Fantastic stuff, man. Yeah. Thank you so much Love for it. joining us, giving you your to giving us your time and your yeah, your knowledge. We're definitely better off for it. I know you're busy. Sure. I'll let you get back to work or sampling, as we as we say. How can we find you? If your listeners want to follow me on Instagram, it's uh, a man with a dram. And uh, if they want to check out, you know, Southern Tier, they can go to stdcbeer.com or stdcspirits.com. Um, and you, you can check out all our stuff there. My man with a dram, Rob Masatello. <laughs> Thank yes, you very sir. much for listening to the Modern Way to Podcast. We'll see you next week. Like, subscribe. I'm Marlon Joseph. I'm David Berlin. Thank you so much, Rob. Thank you for your time. You got it. Thank you, guys. All right. Have a good one. Yeah. The kind of voice speaks with melodic flow as the beat goes. Uh, uh, who the hell can stop that? Uh, initiated, wake up with your head cracked. Spitting nasty like the pimples on your back. Uh, focused on pushing units from Cali to Kakabak. Got it moving. It's just keeping it on track. That's the opposition. Talking superstition. Better yet, the intuition. Realizing the game don't let you back. Still, I move from moment to moment. Don't give a fuck about a fly unless my niggas is on it. Breathe in, let your words deliver with the reason. These fighting motherfuckers switching like the season. Thieving your rap style, no matter if you're versatile. Hear them on the track, using your style. Custom.